Thank you very much, Pastor Chris. It's, uh, it's a great privilege for me to, uh, to gather with you. Uh, I'm disappointed that I can't see you in person because I want to tell you about the good work that you do and the importance of that work for our community. It's, uh, it, it's a fascinating thing when we think about ourselves and the work we do in our own community, in our own congregations, but we don't really consider how that impacts and complements the work being done in other congregations and communities around. So we're talking about doing good. And my theme is really that doing good is not just what we do. That's our function. Doing good is, is about how we relate to one another. And doing good is who we are, in fact, who we're created to be. 2020 wasn't the year that anyone expected. I mean, no one saw that coming. But it's interesting. How about if, for example, this is the Lord's way of calling us to a new moment, that those people with faith can bring serenity, support, and confidence to those around them in their community. So 2020 might be the opportunity for us to step forward into 2021 with a renewed confidence in the faith that God has in us, that we have in each other, and that we communicate to others as our faith in God. So it's not so much what we do, but who we are as we do it, how we relate to people that is of most significance. So to tell you a little bit about myself, I was born here in Melbourne and I studied for ministry here in Melbourne. I've been in ministry since 1977. And uh, I was ordained here in Melbourne, but then later in the mid 80s, I was sent to Rome to do studies in law at the uh, Gregorian University there. So I spent two years living in another culture and another language, and living in another experience. I came back and I worked uh, across the Melbourne Archdiocese in various places from Geelong to uh, um, Werribee, Bennett's Woods, Ivanhoe, Mooney Ponds. And the last 11 years before I came to Box Hill, I was in Avondale Heights in, in the west there near High Point. And for the last seven years, I've been the parish priest or the chief pastor at St. Francis Xavier, St. Clair, Box Hill. It's been an opportunity for me to learn about the Whitehorse local government area and the people that make up that community. And that's where the very good work that uh, Full Gospel Assembly do here first came to my attention. And uh, Chris and I have been involved, of course, together with... Uh, the Whitehorse Churches Care, but, but also with uh, Victorian Council of Churches Emergency Ministries as well. So there's been a number of uh, joint ventures and activities. Also, in addition to my parish work, I'm the Episcopal Vicar for Life, Marriage and Family for the Archdiocese of Melbourne. An Episcopal Vicar is sort of like a bishop when you're not a bishop. <laughs> 
you, you get the opportunity to, uh, to have all of the uh, authority without necessarily having to be involved in, in all the, uh, the ceremonies and, uh, and other activities. And so it's given me a chance to reflect and to work through uh, life issues, family issues, marriage issues, all those sorts of aspects of our community. And it's given me a chance to see how our Christian faith enhances the communities in which we live. So it's a little bit more about myself. If we go back, my family were boat people. Uh, they came to Australia in the 1850s from Ireland, from the potato famine. They were refugees, if you like, from the hunger and starvation that the potato blight had caused in uh, Ireland at the time. And Michael and Bridget met here uh, in Geelong, actually. That's where they met each other and they married there in uh, 1852 and set off for the goldfields. They wisely came to Geelong rather than to Melbourne. And I say wisely because at the time there were uh, commercial operations and uh, businessmen in Melbourne who were putting out maps of uh, the goldfields and uh, the maps weren't drawn to scale. And in fact, it looked like the Ballarat goldfields were much, much closer to Melbourne than they were to Geelong. And this was to encourage people to come to Sandridge or Port Melbourne uh, at that time rather than to Corio and to Geelong. The real map, of course, will show you that uh, Ballarat is much, much closer to Geelong than it is <laughs> to, um, to Melbourne. And, and that's why it's so important to have an understanding and an appreciation of where we are and who we are and how we sit within that landscape. The way we draw our maps, of course, is, is very interesting. If you look at a boat person's map of Victoria, it looks like this. And all of the places marked are things that men have created, that they've built, uh, railway lines, uh, cities uh, and uh, roads. Uh, th this is a description of, of their impact on the environment. But if we go back to people of the land, the, the people who were here before the boat people arrived, if we go back to an indigenous appreciation, you see their maps have things like rivers and mountains the things that the creator put there rather than what man imposed. It's a different way of seeing the landscape in which we live. And it's a very vital insight because if we start to understand our landscape and where we live from their view as well as our own, then we are much wiser for the choice. For example, when we say footpath, we think about putting down some formwork, calling in a mini-mix, pouring the concrete and troweling it up. Three days' time, fantastic, all set to walk on. And we've got footpaths all around Whitehorse, all along the sides of our roads, and they're very important. But if we were to say footpath to the Indigenous people, to the Wurundjeri, they'd be thinking of something like this. This is a path made by feet. This is a path made by many thousands of feet over thousands of years. It's a path that 
shows the direction to go from one place to another using the experience of those who've walked that path before. It's also a path that gives us a sense that we won't be the last to walk in that direction. And because of that, we need to take care of it and not litter it, but to think about those who will pass this way after us. So suddenly a footpath isn't just some concrete on the sidewalk, but is in fact a recognition of who's been before, who will come after, and of our place within the landscape. So as we reflect today about doing good, perhaps what we can consider is our city of Whitehorse. Is our city of Whitehorse a city at the end of the road? You know, Whitehorse Road coming out from the city, <laughs> here we are. Or is it just the beginning of our journey? In fact, is this a new beginning for Whitehorse? Coming out of lockdown, coming out of this experience where we have relied upon our faith and our love for one another to support each other in this difficult time. So we take a look at Whitehorse. Whitehorse local government area has a number of people born overseas. And while it's probably no surprise to see 11% or more of people born in China, it's perhaps uh, a little more surprising to realise that how many people born in Malaysia live in our area? Or how many people born in India? Or Sri Lanka? Or Vietnam? These people are part of our community and they bring different ways of seeing things, different ways of understanding and appreciating the environment in which we live. Now, just as it's important for us to be open to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation who who first called this area their land and who were custodians of that land for tens of thousands of years, it's also important to see what new people are bringing to the community and how they're living here and what we might be able to show to them of our faith and of our love of God and of God's love for them and us. We become the instruments through which God our Father loves all of the people. When we look at the households of Whitehorse, it's also very revealing that about a third are couples with children. But the interesting group is that significant proportion of people who live alone, who live on their own in single-person households. There are, of course, many couples who are living without children. Some of them have children who have left home, but they're now living in households without the, the presence of their children. And there are single-parent families as well. But as we look there, we can see the proportion of people living alone and needing some sort of community outreach to prevent the loneliness that takes over. This is something that is significant for us as believers because Jesus calls us to community. He calls us to be together. He calls us to share our love for one another. So 
knowing our community and the propensity for loneliness and our opportunity as Christians to make connections is in fact the opportunity for blessing. Blessing for our city. Blessing, God's blessing, coming through us. And I guess that's where Whitehorse Church's care came to be. It started because the pastors of Whitehorse would gather uh, once a month for breakfast to share what they were doing and to pray for one another. And as this growing awareness seeped through of the importance of God blessing our city through us, we decided that God was calling us to work together. To work together with all of the churches of Whitehorse. Because as I said, while the good work that Full Gospel Assembly were doing here in their community, it wasn't widely known by other Christians in other communities. Nor did you have a sense perhaps of how many Christians there are in Whitehorse and how active they are. We have about 60% of the community in Whitehorse are actually people involved in a church, a Christian church. Not all of them every week, but certainly sufficiently well to identify during the census. So this calling that we've responded to is an opportunity for us to bring God's blessing to our city and for the people in our city to see how important faith in God and an awareness of our creator, an awareness of the love of God and of his spirit transforming the way we live. So each of us is called called by name. We're not called by name just so that we can be labelled, though. We're called by name to a relationship, to a connection. We're called because we are children of God. We are brothers and sisters of Jesus. We are connected to one another. And we have been called by name as individuals. We're not just a bunch. We are individuals called to be community called to relate to one another. So how do we get there? Well, we get there by sharing our information and our faith and our love with one another. And the best example I can see recently of that was the week of prayer for Christian unity, where during that week of prayer, including the evening here at at, uh, Full Gospel Assembly here in Melbourne, there was an opportunity for Christians from all the different denominations and congregations to pray together and while it was eye-opening to see the faith and the commitment and the different styles of worship it was also reassuring to see the commonality and the core and the faith and the trust in God that was evident in all of that. We live in a community where it's often thought that the uh, church is uh, some sort of regression, some sort of uh, conservative holding back of the development of society. And you'll get many people, particularly those who who, uh, promote a secular sense of society, suggesting that the churches should be just cast aside and uh, that society should be secular uh, with no religion. And, of course, there are even people who think 
But maybe the churches are the reason why there's so many problems in the world. It's very interesting. Martin Luther King Jr. pointed out that science and religion are not opposed. They're not rivals. Science investigates, religion interprets. Science gives man knowledge, which is power, but religion gives man wisdom, which is control. Science deals mainly with facts. Religion deals mainly with values. They're all important. Every part of it is important. Now, those who fancy science or promote science might think, well, they're more important. Or those who are very faithful and religious might think that religion is more important. So there's always that confirmation bias where we seek information that confirms what we already believe. But it's also important for us to be open to changing our minds about science or about religion. Mark Clark writes a, a blog. Mark's a Christian pastor and he wrote a recent blog about thinking again about those facts because people who think religion causes more problems than it solves are wrong. In fact, there are always examples of extremes where religion goes rogue. But the vast majority of faithful people of any religion, Christians, but yes, even other faiths as well, are always working for the betterment of mankind. In his blog, Mark quotes uh, a book by uh, uh, Rodney Stark called America's Blessings, how religion benefits everyone, including atheists. And he talks about how it's not widely known, but Christians live seven years longer than non-Christians. Why? Well, perhaps they're happier, more satisfied in their lives, less likely to do risky behaviour, less involved in crime, more likely to volunteer, and certainly far more generous in giving not just to church charities but to secular charities as well. In fact, religion and religious people People who have faith are more likely to be involved in community than others. So the question then is, how do we deal with this? Do we start with all the problems in the world? Or do we start with what we have to offer, which is faith and goodwill? The love of God, our Father. The love of Jesus Christ, his Son. The love of the Holy Spirit that binds us and gathers us all together. If we present that to our world and demonstrate the benefit and efficiency of it, then we start to live our mission, our calling to spread the good news, to tell people that God loves the world, not just Christians. God loves the whole world. He loves everybody. And then we can start to love others as well. The life of God is always difficult. It's often described as a mystery. But just because it's a mystery doesn't mean we can't know something about the way God lives. We've got multiple clues right across the universe through space and time to show us what God means. We read in Genesis that God created us in his image, male and female. 
He created us in the image and likeness of God. Now, this knowledge we can never exhaust. There's always much more to know about God than we could possibly know. But there is a great deal that we already know. And we should focus on that too. Often science brings that to the fore. The American Franciscan uh, priest, Father Richard Rohr, is famous for some of his theological writings. But the book he wrote that transformed my understanding of what the Trinity was about, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, was this book Divine Dance, where he says the Trinity isn't just a category or a name we give to God. It's a relationship that we are part of. We live in the Trinity. He talks to us very, very clearly. He says that... uh, The universe is a whole. All things, living and non-living, are all interconnected. That God loves the world and God created the world. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. But world there is not just about people. It's about everything. It's about the whole of creation. It's about the universe. People living close to the land, people living close to animals can appreciate and understand the interconnection. They see the seasons that come and go and they see that this is a time for planting and a time for reaping. They see that this is a time for for laying fallow. This is a time of jubilee. This is a time for resting. This is a day of Sabbath, etc. People living in cities where they construct their own environment And they avoid the climate by simply putting on air conditioning. They they are much more removed from this sense. As they're removed from the earth, then they need to learn about it. So a couple of things to share with you today. Firstly, let's explore creation. If we look through a microscope to the atomic evidence we can see that there's a dynamic in every atom. The electrons are moving around the nucleus, so much so that they even appear solid, and yet the space within those atoms is definitely there. The strength and the solidity of the atom is created by that dynamic relationship of movement that occurs within every atom. And the whole of creation is constructed of these atoms. And so we get a sense, okay, this is the pattern. That's something of the image and likeness of God because that's creation. Then if we look through a telescope, we start to see astronomic evidence. Once again, deep space is so all-encompassing But it's the dynamic relationship of the planets and the stars as they move about in that space with gravitational forces and connections and orbits and all sorts of things. We can start to see, yes, there's a lot of space there too. But the real creation is in fact the dynamism, the relationship, the connection between them. And so if we start to look at Trinity in this fashion, 
we can see the Father and the Son interrelating. And the space in that relationship is the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit with which we're inspired, which we breathe. That gift that is given to us, the atmosphere we live and move and be in. This creation reflecting the creator. So we can start to see the pattern there. That it's not static. It's not solid, but in fact it is dynamic and moving. And this dance of the Trinity is something that every one of us is part of. We are loved as brothers and sisters of the Son. The Father treats us as his children and loves us no matter what we do. That unconditional forgiveness is what takes us out of the loneliness that can be very much part of our experience. So the Trinity and how we relate to the Trinity is revealing to us of who we are and who we are created to be. We're created to be God's children. We're created to be siblings of Jesus Christ. And we're created to live and breathe the spirit to other siblings of Jesus Christ. To go out to those who are maybe unaware of the good news of Jesus Christ and to share that with them. As St. Francis said, we should preach every day but only use words if it's absolutely necessary. Our preaching should be by the way we live. And may I tell you that during the course of the pandemic last year, and even this year, it became abundantly evident that people who were connected with one another, the people who had a faith background, the people who had an outside interest, fared much, much better during lockdown. Because the serenity that community and companionship brought them and the reassurance that their faith gave them empowered them to endure the difficulties where others were despairing and at their wit's end. So the true lesson of Trinity is that all life is dynamic and communitarian whether it's the atoms, whether it's the, the solar system and the universe, or whether it's our community, continually it's about connection and about the space, social distancing between us, but that space is dynamic and moving and an opportunity for us to share that reflection. This is the antidote to being lonely. One is alone and solitary. Two is the opportunity for encounter as we meet face to face. But three is the beginning of community, of connecting. That's the way God lives. That's the mystery of the life of God. And that's the life that we share. We have that opportunity. Even married couples in their love for one another, share that with their children and that community that they form. And the children know because their parents are so much in love with each other, those children know that they have a place in the world and that they're loved by
by God and by their parents. So we start to see how community impacts everyone who lives around us. The society in which we live, of course, is a little bit different. It starts to see uh, things very, very differently. They privilege individuals. Our society tends to believe that the highest value is personal autonomy and the, the right to do what I like. And common good often loses out when people start to make individual right claims. Communities that have a more communitarian and supportive understanding of one another are much less selfish, much less self-centred and consequently suffer less from the problems of loneliness and isolation. If we live in a society where everything is about me, what's in it for me, what can I get, what, then we're going to channel down that lonely path. But if we have a sense of community, it's an antidote. A connection and sharing with one another is how we accomplish that. Aristotle, in his philosophy, always preferred substance to relationship. In Greek philosophy, that was an earlier stage. We're now developing. But he thought nouns were better than verbs. With a noun, you could name something. And if you could name it, then you could control it. Then you understood it, etc. Verbs were just actions describing various things and uh, of no or little consequence. For Aristotle, names were most important. A trinity, the holy trinity in which we live, is not a name. It's a verb. It's a relationship. It's not a label we give to God. It's a description of how God takes all of creation up into God's existence and about how we share in that existence. So the encouragement for us is if we can set aside labels, if we, instead of naming people, oh, that person's a refugee, oh, that person's a single parent, oh, that person's from overseas, if we don't label people but rather embrace them in relationship, then we get to know them better and we can relate to them. One of the joys of meeting with Pastor Chris is that I had the opportunity to see the depth of faith in his life and of his love for God and for his people. And I could never have simply got that by just saying, oh, Pentecostal pastor, because that label doesn't describe the richness of who he is. And I hope Catholic priest doesn't describe all that I am. But in fact, there's so many more things that we can discover. So rather than rely on labels given to people, let's relate to them. There's a magnificent movement called humanlibrary.org. Human Library was started in, uh, in the Scandinavian countries, but it's now spread right throughout the world. And in fact, up to two years ago, it was here in Melbourne as well. And basically, Human Library is where you, instead of going to borrow a book, you go and borrow a person and you share 30 minutes with them. 
and you get an understanding of who and what they are. And so you could go to the library and you could select, uh, could I talk to refugee? Or could I talk to uh, gay activist? Or could I talk to uh, single parent? Or could I talk to unemployed person? Uh, and, and by sharing with them, suddenly they're not just a label, but they're a real person. And instead of judging people, we're unjudging them as we get to know them. Because as we get to know them, we start to realise that while their experience is different from ours, and where they've come from is quite different, they are loved by God just as much as we are. And maybe they haven't seen the opportunity to realise or recognise that as much. But by talking with us, we might be able to show them how much we love them and God loves them. That doesn't mean we agree with everything they say or do, but then that's the same in our own communities. There are always those who are perhaps less accepted than others by their actions, but they should always be accepted totally because of who they are, and that is children of God, brothers and sisters in the Lord. So when we start to see people as being more than a book, when we start to see that it's an interaction, not just the labels and the words, then we start to understand that the Bible is more than a book. The Bible is a description of the life of faith of so many different people who've gone before us. And we take up living that life of faith we start to step out just as Abraham did, just as Isaac, Jacob, just as David did. And we start to realise these are flawed characters. They weren't perfect, but they were loved by God and they had faith in God. And as we take up that challenge of living that life of faith, then suddenly we move not only closer to God, but we move closer to each other with a better and better appreciation of each other and of who we are. So our journey to God and to others is made on the same road. Our best advice is not to judge or to label, but to connect with people and to relate with them and then we can start to see how God is loving them, sometimes even through us and through our love for them. That's when we realise that we are true missionaries, that every one of us is passing the message and goodness of the good news to our community. And we're not doing it alone. 60% of Whitehorse share that belief and that understanding. And so working together, we can transform our local area and we can show our city that God does indeed love us and all of the world. to be able to um, step outside 
of the four walls of our Pentecostal church and to hear a different perspective on the kingdom of God, of things of God, uh, from someone as experienced and as learned as yourself. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed today's message. You know, the, the Trinity is such, um, it's such a... Complicated. Complicated, yeah, oh my goodness. Such a complicated concept, so vast and, um, and, and indescribable, yet you've been able to bring out one of the core elements within that, right? Like, I, it's probably one of the re- understanding of God and, and things like Trinity and, and probably some of the things that have divided churches uh, across um, centuries. Uh, <laughs> centuries, right? But I tell you, one thing that we're not divided on is that the Trinity represents relationship, that we are, that God himself models relationship and that we are called to be in that in that image. And so I am so thankful uh, for your sharing today. Uh, we share a common heart for the community in Whitehorse. We share a common um, love for God and a common mission to represent or to reflect Him in this world. So uh, maybe all of us, let's all join together. I'm just going to pray for all of us. We're starting our Do Good series. Uh, hopefully next week we all gather together. I'll, I'll be speaking next week, but I, I hope